All right. Well, good morning, Doxa. Man, it's a... Uh, did someone just say something? Okay. Good morning. Okay. I'm not used to someone actually talking back. That's great. Okay. <laughs> uh, but man, it's, it's great to see you guys. I hope you guys had a, a great uh, Christmas season. Man, for, uh, for my family, it was great. But hopefully in the midst of all the hoopla and the busyness that come with celebrating Christmas, that you guys actually had a chance as we were talking about in Advent leading up to, to Christmas, to, to really focus in and, and celebrate the incarnation of Jesus, which is what Christmas is all about and what the Christian life and just life in general is, is all about. We celebrate Jesus. But for our family, man, Christmas was, was a great time. Um, we, we traveled back to Ohio. We got some good time with, with family and friends, and we had an awesome time, but got wiped out with the flu or some type of stomach bug and almost died, being totally dramatic, okay? But, but uh, you know, there's two types of guys in the world, right, when it comes to sickness. There's those types of guys that, that get sick and, and you really never know that they're sick. They just kind of white knuckle it and go through it. And then there's the other type that, that kind of revert to being a two-year-old, right? And I'm the latter, okay? So I turn into a, a big baby and I just want to be snuggled and pet, pet, I don't know, pet, may I, I mean, <laughs> being pet sounds good, right? But but that was, that was me, but... But yeah, despite that, it was, it was awesome. And even for me as a man, guys, Christmas was, was overall just a, a, a win for me, okay? And, and here's what I mean by that, guys. I, I think I'm growing in godliness, all right? And you can say that's probably a, a good thing, but, but I had very minimal anger and outburst of frustration putting together the toys for my kids, okay? And, uh, you know, even Ronnie, who was just up here, him and his wife, Caitlin, bought my daughter... And I, and I just love him for this, bought my daughter a Christmas present that had 75 pieces, okay? And um, wh why? Okay, that's the first question. But the second thing is, man, I didn't even, I didn't yell. I didn't get angry. It was, it was great, guys. I'm, I'm becoming more and more like Jesus, you know? And so that's, that's an amazing thing. Hopefully that encourages you. But I'm pretty sure that Jesus would never make a, a toy that requires five hours and an engineering degree to be put together for a kid. But Whole nother thing. But anyway, really excited about today, really excited about 2019. Guys, we've, we've watched God start this church and to plant this church, and we're continuing to watch God to grow our church in, in health and in godliness and, and really believe that, that God has even greater things in store for us in, in 2019. But today, what we're going to do is, as Ronnie said, we're calling today Vision Sunday. And really what it's all about is just getting us on the same page as we march forward together into a, a new year, okay? And so, as Ronnie mentioned, next week, we're going to jump right back into our study uh, of the Gospel of Luke, and that's going to take us all the way through the spring and into the summer. But today, I want to give you guys what I would consider the most important thing for our church as we move forward together as a, as a growing family. And we're going to be looking at, through the Bible today, is, is it's something that, that really, I believe, is going to lead us to honoring God the most as we live as the family of, of Doxa Church, okay? So I'm going to start in Proverbs chapter 29. You can either turn there or it's going to be up here on the screen. I'm just going to mention this, okay? But in Proverbs 29, verse 18, this is what we see. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. This is kind of like the baseline starting place for this idea of, of Vision Sunday. Now, some people will take this verse to, to really mean a, a strategic vision for the church as, as we walk forward. And you can keep that verse up there for a minute, okay? But, but when we talk about this idea of, of vision, if you've ever taken a, a leadership class, you've worked under a visionary leader, you've read a leadership book, vision is oftentimes described as, as, as painting a picture of the future that, that kind of elicits passion within people to move towards it. All right, but what this verse is, is actually talking about 
is a vision for God's revelation in his church. All right, meaning that it's all about the Bible, which is God's revelation to us about him and, uh, and about ourselves. And, and honestly, guys, today's vision for our church, it isn't anything flashy. All right, it isn't anything overly sexy that we're going to be doing. We're not going to roll out, like, here's our 15 things that we're going to be doing with Connection Group, and here's the missional engagement strategy and all of that stuff. We're, we're not going to do that. But I want you to know this, guys. Our grand strategy is God's word in us. That if we get one thing right, this is what we believe is the most significant thing that we can do. One of our core values that we strive after is being a Bible-saturated family. That if you prick us, we bleed Bible. And that can be one of those things that could be just this little pithy saying that, that really like, oh my gosh, like you say that all the time and we can giggle it off. Guys, this is so significant, right? That, that we need to be a Bible-saturated family, that the gospel, like an IV, would just drip into our veins and eventually just take us over, that we would become more and more like Jesus. Guys, this is how we step into the reality of who God has made us to be and who we believe God has formed Doxa Church to be in this city, the Bible-saturated family. All right? And I believe that this verse in Proverbs just really frames up today and, and moving forward together well for us. Because what this verse is saying, guys, is that where there's no prophetic vision, or revelation from God through the focus on the Bible, that the people or the church will cast off restraint, meaning they'll no longer faithfully live for and with and like God. It's really significant for us. And so this is why we're starting here in 2019, because we believe that to honor God the most and to be the church and the people that he desires, that we need to be people that are all about God's revelation and his words in the Bible. All right, so here's what I want to do, okay? I'm going to give us, I'm going to attempt to give us a, a vision of, of why. Why is it so significant for us to be this Bible-saturated family? And this is basically, guys, like the, the foundation of a house, okay? If you've ever seen a house being built or you've built a house, you know that the foundation is not something that you usually get overly excited about, right? That you, you get excited when you build the house on the foundation. But, but this is like this, okay? This is not super flashy, but it's absolutely essential if we want to be the church who God is calling us and asking us to be. It's the foundation that everything that we're gonna do is being built upon. And this is our goal. We wanna bring glory to God and good to our city, and we believe that it starts with being people of the word, people of the Bible. Okay, so as we begin this conversation, guys, about the Bible, we have to do, I have to say a few things first, okay? And I'll start here. One of the first things that we learn about God, all right, if you, if you read the Bible, if you've been in Genesis, all right, the first book of the Bible is that God reveals himself in words. All right, no less than 10 times in the opening chapter of, of, of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we see this phrase, and I want you to write this down, God said. All right, this, this little phrase that, that, man, it doesn't maybe seem like a big deal to us, but, but God said it's a huge deal that, that we have a God who speaks. And the, and the great, this great truth, guys, is affirmed thousands of times as you look into the Bible. All right, and this is really the foundation of the Christian faith, and it's the foundation of our life and our walk with God, is that God, he speaks, and he speaks to us today, that the creator of our entire universe, he creates humans, he's created you and me, and he enables us to communicate with him in relationship. Guys, this is our purpose, and you need to know that. We need to be reminded of that constantly. Right, that you and I have been created by God to hear from him, to speak to him, and to have a relationship with him. And we're created for that purpose, and we're just restless until we find that through faith and through discipline as we walk with him. 
right? And when we, when we consider the Bible, guys, this book that you hold in your hand that we give out at the welcome table, right, is not just a book, but this is a book that's, that's all about getting to know the God who created us. And our relationship with God begins as he reveals information about himself. This is where it starts. And as we receive it and as we believe it, which is an act of faith, we begin to experience life together with God and we begin to experience life together as his church and his people. This is what we, we start with, with, with the Bible. And so as we get into this, guys, we need to grab hold of this prime reality that the main way that God reveals himself to us today is through the Bible. That there, we believe that there's three main ways that God speaks to, to us today. It's through his word, through his spirit, through prayer, and through his people. But the primary way that God speaks is through the Bible, okay? So with that all being said, the big question that we need to ask and answer is, is why? All right, why read the Bible? All right, why listen to God? And if you've never asked those questions, like I wanna encourage you, like this is a, these are really good questions to ask. You need to be asking questions as you walk with God. Like, why do we do this? What, what good is this, all right? And we get the answer in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that God is so helpful. So go ahead and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is where we're going to be and camp out this morning, okay? And as you get there, I'll say this, guys. It's so important to start with why, all right? Because knowing the why, it really just helps us to make the right decisions in life. I mean, throughout the board, like in every area of your life, if we don't know the why, it's really difficult for us to make the right choices. And so when it comes to the Bible, I wanna give you the why. And as you receive the why, then you can decide what you are gonna do and what you wanna do with the Bible as it relates to you and your relationship with God. And so, why read the Bible? Why should I listen to God? 2 Timothy chapter three. We're gonna start in verse 16. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. It says, all scripture, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Those two verses are, are what we're gonna camp out on. So I wanna give you three observations as to why, and then one application as it relates to our core belief of the Bible here at Doxa. And the first observation is this, okay? Look back to verse 16. All scripture, meaning the Bible, is what? It's inspired by God. Your, some of your translations will say breathed out by God. I want you to circle inspired by God. And, and we gotta do a couple things here, okay? Because this is seemingly just a, a basic, straightforward thing, okay? It's, it's, it's inspired by God, okay? But what I've learned, like, I remember when I became a Christian and someone taught me how to start reading the Bible and taught me how to ask questions and they, and they taught me this idea that the Bible was like an iceberg, all right? That if you've ever watched like National Geographic or like a a video, like the, the Planet Earth videos or whatever, or maybe you've even been on an Alaskan cruise and you've actually seen an iceberg. You know, from the surface, it looks like just a little mound, like an ice cube floating on the water. And you're like, okay, cool, nothing big. But if you were to go underneath the surface and look down, you would see a mountain of ice underneath the surface. Guys, the Bible is kind of like that. That there's many things, all right, because this is inspired by God. This is God's words to us that, that we can look at things and say, Oh, okay, that seems pretty straightforward. But oftentimes there is a mountain of significance underneath it that we would be wise to study and to consider what does this actually mean for us? And the first thing I wanna say to this is I it suggests that, guys, number one, that there is a God and we're not him. Right? And, and, and we laugh because you're like, well, yeah, I get that. But guys, 
we are like a prideful group of people. We are. And especially like in our town, right? We have a bunch of wicked smart people. We have a bunch of like wealthy people doing really well and affluent and all this stuff. We're just a prideful group of people and we think too much of ourselves. We think too often of ourselves. And, and as we live our lives, we're so tempted to think that the world revolves around us instead of God. And so we need to be reminded of the fact that there is a God and we are not him. And it's inspired by God. The Bible is inspired by God. And this God who created everything, including us, gave us his very words to help us to know him and really to know ourselves. And so if the Bible, guys, is actually God's word to us, what we're dealing with today is an issue of authority. And we talk about this. We've, we've talked about this a lot at Doxa. And because pride is so prevalent in people and is the root of sin, we need to continue to, to talk about this idea of authority in our lives. Because we as people, we, we don't like authority. I mean, this, in our culture today, right, to be, like, we have this intrinsic resistance towards authority and being told what to do. We don't like it. And it comes from being kids, Right? I mean, those of you who have children, you're like a healthy amen, right? That you don't, they don't listen to you, right? I mean, I think about Titus, my, my little two-year-old, right? Just the grumpy man, super cute, but, what, you know, he, he's, he's got that, like, natural aggression, all right, that, like, a young boy has, and he likes to tackle and hit and do all this stuff, and, and so he'll, like, be standing on one side of the house, and he'll be like, Daddy, watch how fast I can run, and I'm like, okay, this is great, and he'll just start taking off, sprinting all the way across the house, and rather than stopping he just finds his sister and just bulldozes her, right? I mean, just like lays her out like he's a middle linebacker, okay? And, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And Lily's crying, so I'm picking him up or picking her up and picking him up. And I'm like, Titus, you cannot do that to your sister, right? You do not tackle her. You do not lay her out. You don't do any of that. You don't hit her. And in fact, don't do that to anybody unless they're doing that to your sister and then game on and do it harder, right? <laughs> I haven't, we're working on that, okay? But but I'm like, you can't do that. I'm like, do you understand? And he's just kind of like, I'm like, no, you say, yes, dad. Yes, dad, I get it. Okay, so no hitting, no hitting. And then I'll go back to doing our stuff and then I'll glance back over there and he'll be like, have his hand on Lily. And I'm like, okay, good, you're petting her. I don't know why I keep saying petting, right? It's weird, it's just in my head, okay? And then he'll like put his hands on like rubber back and then I'm like, you're doing so great, bud. Thanks for listening. And then you just see him like, he thinks he's a lion and just like, rah, and just like knocks her over again. You know, it's just like, we don't like authority. We don't like to be told what to do. And this is true about humanity. And when I mention authority, guys, we can't miss how massive this is for us. That when we consider authority, we need to ask the, the personal question, guys, and, and I'll ask you to consider this, is where does authority and truth come from in your life? I mean, as you sit here, guys, what drives your worldview? What shapes what you think is true and false? What informs your, your, the way that you deal with people, the way that you see people, the way that you handle your money? What, what drives the way that you, you, you view political issues and different stances that you can have on social things happening in our, in our city? What drives all of that? And, and I want, as you think about this, I'll submit to you that, that we all fall into one of three categories. 
All right, that for all of us, when it comes to authority and formation of truth in our lives, and, and I've talked about this, and I'm going to keep talking about this because, guys, I need to hear this for myself. So it's not that I'm, I'm preaching the same thing to you because I'm like, you're not getting it. It's because I know that I'm so sinful and prideful and broken that I need to hear it over and over and over again. But when it comes to the formation of truth and authority in our lives, it's an it's a internal thing, it's an external thing, or it's an eternal thing. All of us fall into one camp all right, that some of, some of you, you, you look internally, that, that you really believe that you're kind of like your highest level of authority. You really believe that you are in effect like God, that the world revolves around you and you decide what's right and wrong. And so when you see things, you're like, it doesn't matter who says it's right or wrong. You're like, I don't agree with that. It doesn't make sense to me. Therefore, I'm not going to do it. And you look internally to what rationally makes sense or what your desire is, and that's how you form your truth. Others of you, you don't, you don't have like confidence in yourself to do that, so you look externally. You look to your family, you look to your professors, you, you look to society, to politicians, to tell you what you should believe about certain things. And, you, and, and you look, as you look externally, the people around you begin to shape the way that you see the world. They begin to shape the way that you treat people. They begin to shape the way that you view your money, the way that you view politics, the way that you view everything. You look externally. Guys, as Christians, we don't have a choice. It's not an internal thing. It's not an external thing. It's an eternal thing, meaning that we look to God. We look to his word. And since the Bible is the very words of God to us, our creator and king has the authority to shape the way that we think about our lives. Everything, day to day, that we're surrounded by. And I remember coming to this realization as, as a young Christian. As I, I shared my story with you guys, but became a Christian, had no background, and started reading the Bible. And I quickly realized that God has an opinion about everything. And he really does, about everything in my life. And, and I remember thinking, like, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. I don't really want to do that. Like, this is, seems more fun. Like, I'll do my thing. And then I remember the guy that was discipling me led me to a passage in Isaiah 55. It's going to come up here on the screen. And I want to read it to you. In Isaiah 55, God is speaking. And he says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Because we all have thoughts about things. We all have ways about going about doing things. And God is, is saying, hey, that's great. I've created you with intellect and a brain. I've given that to you as a gift. But I want you to know, God is saying that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. And so what this practically means is if God says, hey, this is good, in something worthy for you to pursue, we do it. Regardless of what we feel and, and what we think and what we want to do, if God says, hey, this is bad, and he calls this sin and evil, then we stay away, and we, and we don't do it. And this is only the posture of someone who understands that all authority is God's. That no matter how we feel about it, we listen and we obey. In the life of a Christian, guys, I want you to know this, is, is like, think about Guys, as you, as you evaluate your walk with God, it's a really big thing to think about the word obedience in your life. Are you obeying God? Like maybe that, maybe instead of like evaluating your, your, your walk with God on like how I feel, do I feel close with God? Maybe you start being like, am I being faithful to God? Am I being obedient to who 
God is and what he is saying in my life. Maybe that's how we start evaluating our lives. But when we consider the Bible as we're considering words from the eternal God, which are inspired for our good, to help us, guys, to step into who he has created us to be and how he has created us to live. And so number one, the Bible is inspired by God, okay? Now, look at the second observation. Look back to verse 16. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable. I want you to circle profitable. It's profitable for what? For teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness so the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, look at that word, that emphasis on the word profitable, all right? Paul is saying that the Bible is actually useful to us. Right, and it, it, as you guys just remove yourself from right now in this moment and just put yourself in, the, in your day-to-day life because we are surrounded by voices. So many people saying so many different things and we have words that are surrounding us even when we don't want to hear them, right? Background noise, vid, like songs, advertisements, conversations, people saying things when we don't even ask. We're surrounded by words that are not all the time useful and they fill our mind But because the Bible is from God, guys, it's good for us. That I want you to remember this. God's word is for our good. And it's a true statement. And it's important to realize that, guys, the Bible is not just a collection of of stories and fables and myths. All right? It's, It's not just human ideas about God. All right? Because if you believe that this is a human book, you can start to do really weird things with the Bible. You can start to do things like people in the past that they come to a place and you're like, well, I don't really like this. And you just pull out the page and be like, oh, somebody wrote that. That's not really a big deal. I don't like that. And we can start to change what the Bible actually says. But this is not a human book, all right, that through the Holy Spirit of God, God reveals himself and his plan to us through the words in the Bible. We need to know that. And so as you think about this, okay, that it's profitable, we have to ask the other question is what is it profitable for? What is it good for? Well, what does Paul say? Look at verse 16. For teaching, for rebuking, and for correcting. Now, think about those words, teaching, rebuking, and correcting. It suggests something. What does it suggest? Because it suggests that something is wrong, that we don't have it all right, that we need to be taught, we need to be called out, We need to be corrected. And it's because, guys, that we live in a broken world and every single one of us are very, very broken. Even the most put together among us, the most godly among us, you're broken. You're sinful. You're not perfect. You don't know it all. And I stand up here as the leader of the charge saying, I'm broken and we need help. That sin in the world, guys, and sin in your life, it just ruins everything. It, it disrupts the created order. And sin is anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is and what God says. And sin brings about disorder and chaos and brokenness. And it separates us from God and it separates us from each other. But as we read the Bible, we understand that the Bible has a, a hero. It's Jesus. Every page, every book, every chapter, every word of your Bible, it points you to Jesus the hero who fixes all this stuff, that Jesus is all about the restoration of all things. And he lives a perfect life. He died a death that we should have died because of the sin in our lives. And on the cross, he substituted himself for us. And through faith, we're made right with God, that our sin issue is dealt with. 
and we're brought back to relationship with God. The, the restoration of all things is what Jesus is all about. And so God, he gives us himself to save us, but then he gives us his word to guide us and to shape us so that we can continue his mission of getting the gospel out for the restoration of all things. And so we need to be people of the Bible. And so how do we do this? Well, we have to understand that the words of the Bible are actually from God and they're profitable. For what? For teaching. We don't know everything. We need to ask the questions, guys. You ask those difficult questions. Practically, okay, you get bombarded and, and someone asks you a question, right, about why you believe something that you believe and, and you get, get this political issue maybe that's in front of you and being like, okay, well, what do I do about this? And, and our response shouldn't be like, what does my gut say? It's like, well, I, that, doesn't, that doesn't feel right to me. You know what your response should be is book, chapter, verse. What does the Bible say? We go to God. We don't go internally. We don't go externally. We go eternally, and we look into God's word, and we say, okay, well, what shapes us? What is driving us? What should I believe? And he teaches us. It's profitable. It's good for us. It's also profitable for what? Teaching and rebuking. That every single one of us, we, we get things wrong. And it's not all the time that we're just stupid people. I mean, some of us in here, more than others, you're maybe sometimes just more stupid, okay, than you just don't know, right? Some of us, we just don't know. We, don't, we, didn't, we lack information, so we made the wrong decision, right? But some of us, we know, and we're just like, no, I'm going to do it anyway, okay? But the Bible is good for what? For rebuking, for calling us out, to bring us to the mat, and I want you to know that the Bible is not just a, a book that we read, but it's a, a book that reads us. And here's what I mean. It's a mirror. That the Bible reflects something of God and shows us Jesus, but as we read it, it also reflects something of us. And so if you've been in that position, and some of you, you don't like reading the Bible because you open up the Bible and it feels like you need a football helmet on and a cup, and you're just like, what in the heck? Like, I don't want to no. know. Like, I'm being confronted too much of who I am, and I'm starting to see my sin, and it's uncomfortable, right? But this is, this is it's, it's, for, it's profitable for teaching and for rebuking. So we see something of ourselves. We see our sin we see things that need to change. We see God's perfection and how imperfect and broken we are. And it allows us to change. So it's, it's profitable for, for teaching, for rebuking. And then Paul also says correcting. And I, and I don't want to miss this, okay? Because you can be like, okay, so I'm broken and he just said I'm stupid. And so God's going to bring me to the mat and just like beat me down. No, guys, correcting. God doesn't just like call us out and rebuke us just to bring shame and guilt and all that stuff. But he corrects us like a father. I mean, think about it. Of all the ways that God could have revealed himself throughout the Bible, he does so in one way specifically, as father. And so we think about a good father. For those of you with your kids, you think about the times that, that you correct your children. And it's not to make them feel stupid. It's to help them step into the man or the woman that they're created to be. And this is what God does through the Bible, that we see something of ourselves, and then through the Spirit of God working in his word, he teaches us, and he corrects us out of love. So the Bible is, number one, it's inspired by God. Number two, it's profitable. And the last observation is this. Again, 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, look back. All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training. I want you to circle the word training, training in righteousness. So the man of God may be complete, equipped, circle equipped, for every good work. I want you to notice those two words, okay? Training and equipped. Again, these two words, they suggest something. All right, training kind of points to this idea of exerting effort, not just having a passive posture of listening. All right, Paul says elsewhere in, in 1 Timothy 4, he tells Timothy to, to train himself in godliness. All right, and he's referencing like the, the Olympic games and like athletes that, you know, an athlete, they, they learn the best practices of their, of their craft and, and what they need to do to train themselves. And then they actually go and they do it. And Paul is saying like a very similar thing is, is our posture in our walk with God, is that, that we hear things, but then we go and we exert some type of effort to move forward and to actually act and do something. It's not just about believing. And many of you, maybe you hear this and you have a background that you come from like a very works-based mentality and a very works-based church where you have to do this and you have to do that and then God will love you. This is not what we're talking about. And you might think like, I don't have to do anything. I can just exist because it's only grace. It's only grace through faith. And, and that's emphatically true. We see this in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, right? That we know that salvation is only about God's grace. It's only about what he has done. It's about nothing that I do. I just respond and say, okay, save me. And that through faith, he does that. But when we talk about sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus as we live our daily lives, guys, this takes effort. Dallas Willard famously put it, and I love this, is that God's grace is not opposed to effort, only earning. It's not opposed to effort. And the point of the Bible, guys, is not just to learn it and to finish it. It's to change and to become like Jesus. You don't just naturally drift into godliness. It takes effort. For those of you who are married, you'll get this. Right, that you see married couples. Do you ever see those couples that are like, they've been married for like 50 years, you see them out on a date, and they're actually still talking to each other? Right, and the guy is, is holding his wife's hand, and he looks at his wife in the eye, and he tells her how beautiful she is. You ever see those couples? I see those couples, and I am like, I feel like I'm getting kicked in the gut. Because you realize you're never gonna get there. Some of you young marrieds will think you know what, I just got to ride it out, and in 50 years, I'm going to be like that. Not a chance. Not a chance. You're too broken, you're too messed up, you're too selfish, and you're too sinful. You need Jesus. And you work on your marriage. And as you work on your marriage, day after day, year after year, it gets better and better and stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper and more intimate, and you get to that place. Guys, the same is true in our walk with God. It takes effort to grow intimacy. You need to put forth effort. I want you to consider this, okay? When you look at, at Jesus and his words, his works, and his ways, guys, he's all about transformation. All right, that he came into this world to transform the, the course of human history. He came into the world to, to transform our view of God. He came to transform our view of ourselves. That He came to transform the entirety of our lives that he's all about transformation. You cannot get away from that. Now, here's the interesting thing. 
as people, I think we, we tend to get confused about Jesus' desire and his purpose at times. That for many of us, we, we think that the most significant and important thing that we can do is to accumulate information. And so what this practically looks like is, is you say, man, okay, it's a new year. I got to do all this New Year's resolution stuff. If you do that, that's great, right? I, I don't really do that. But if you do make those goals, that's, that's great. And you say, okay, I want to grow closer to God. How do, how do I do that? And the response from many people around you is they're going to tell you, here's a, here's a reading list. Read through these, these Bible verses every day. Here's a, here's a Max Lucado book and, and all these other types of Christian self-help books. Read all these books, and then once you get through all of that, you're going to be more godly, and you're going to grow with God. And, and some of you believe that, and you know a lot about God, but the truth is, is that your life doesn't line up with what you actually know. And, and this hit me over Christmas, okay? We went back to Ohio, I told you, and I, and I saw, I got to see my, my grandfather. My grandfather, um, he's 90-some years old, all right? He, this is probably the last Christmas. I might not see him again. And, and I'm, I'm there, and I'm talking to him, and um, he's suffering from dementia, and so he's lost a lot of, like, his cognitive ability and, and all of this stuff, but he's still one of the godliest men I've ever known, maybe the godliest man I've, I've ever known. He's been following Jesus for like 70 years. And as I talked with him, Lisa and I sat there at the kitchen table with him for a few minutes before we left, and I was just thanking him because Jesus and my family started with him. And when I was born, he was like the only one following Jesus. And my mom tells a story that as soon as I came out, he was one of the first people to hold me, and he prayed over me that I would be a preacher of God's word. And he had to wait some 20-some years for me to even say yes to Jesus. But one of the godliest men that I've ever known. And we're talking, and I'm just thanking him for this. And he said a bunch of random stuff that made no sense, right? And so, like, he really did. It was kind of like, it was so sad, but it was like, Grandpa, what are you, what? Like, no. But then he said something so profound, and it might be one of the last things that he ever says to me face to face, and, and I think it's going to stick with me for a really long time. And he said, Robbie, if you get one thing right, he said, know your Bible and watch your life. And I, and I was thinking about that, and then he went on to say, he's like, a life that professes the things of God but doesn't live according to them destroys the gospel. And there's something so right about this. I think, like, even though his mind is going, he's been in the Bible so much that God is still speaking to him through his memory. And he's referencing, he wouldn't even probably know this, he's referencing Paul's words to Timothy in 1 Timothy where he's talking about guarding your doctrine in your life and watching your life. That if we want to be a church family that exists for the glory of God and the good of Madison, our goal has to be rooted in godliness. That if we aren't people that are saturated in the Bible and living like Jesus, guys, our church is not going to be what God intends for us. And this starts with me. And I, don't, I want you to know I don't approach this lightly. All right, this isn't me saying, hey, you need to be more godly and do some stuff. Guys, this, this starts with me. I need to be more godly. I need to discipline my, myself. I need to pursue God. I was with my mom last week at her home church. It was her birthday. We didn't have church here, obviously. If you showed up, sorry. 
but I was with her and the pastor was preaching the message. And one of the things he encouraged is like, he's like, what is the word going to be for this next year for you? And he gave us some time just to sit there and ask God and just to pray and be like, what's God doing in your life? And, and honestly, really quick, the word was holiness. That's what I felt like God was saying to me. That as I'm moving forward and I'm walking with him, holiness is one of the big things. 1 Peter 1.16 was the verse that popped up. Be holy as I am holy. This idea of being above reproach. This one word, and I think it's something so right for, for all of us guys. And I say all of this to say this, guys. Knowing God's word is part of it, but it's not all of it. See, information, not at all a bad thing, but it's not the only thing. That Jesus was not just about dispensing information, but he was all about action, which leads to transformation. And what we see from Jesus is that when information meets action, transformation is going to be the natural result. This is how you change and grow in godliness, guys. And so in an effort to make this as helpful and practical and not just informational as possible, okay, I want to really just close with demystifying and simplifying the question that so many people ask. And it's this. How do I grow closer to God? Right? And this is probably a commonality between all of us. I mean, why are you here? Right? This is, this is pr probably it. I mean, how do I grow closer to God? We're, we're all desiring that in some way. Some of us really understand what that means. Some of us, we're, we're kind of just... I know that I need to be here. I don't know why God's working in your life. This is the question we're asking in some way. But how do I grow closer to God? And I want you to know, guys, we don't have to over-spiritualize this. That really, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, there are two things above all that you need to engage with that revolve around the Bible that we're talking about today. All right, it's kind of like this. How many of you guys, like, you loved riding a bike when you were younger? Anybody? Okay, so the five of you that raised your hand, you're going to get this. The rest of you are going to be like, okay. Right? But, but I, I loved riding a bike when I was a kid. All right, because you, you have that sense of freedom, right? You're, you're told what to do. You don't like that authority piece of mom and dad telling you, so you get on your bike and you go and you can do whatever you want, right? And so I'd get on my bike, go to the pool, go to the park, go to practice, whatever I want to do, just get on my bike and go. But there was a day that I remember, I was, I was a kid, probably around elementary school. I'm driving, riding my bike around the neighborhood and uh, I'm pedaling and then all of a sudden, my pedal falls off, my bike. Literally just falls off and I bite it hard, okay? I'm like on the ground, and, and it, it sticks with me, not because it hurt, but because of what happened after. I remember being on the ground, being like, wow, that really sucked, that hurts. And I looked up, and there was like a family sitting on their front porch, and they were all laughing at me. <laughs> like, the mom was like, I'm pretty sure, I could have maybe made this up, but I'm pretty sure the mom was like pointing, and her like little kid, I'm like, what is she doing? She's a mother, right? But I'm laying there, and I'm like, oh, super embarrassed, you know? you don't know what to do as a kid. And so you get up and I grab the, the pedal and I'm like, I'm just going to fix this. And what do kids do when things break? You just like try and put it back, right? And I just put it back and somehow it's stuck. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm a genius. I need to go to Madison and be an engineer, right? But I, go, I get on my bike and I think I fixed it and clearly I didn't fix it. And so I'm thinking in my, my head, okay, what do, I, what do I do with this? And, and so I'm like, oh, brilliant. I'm just going to ride with one pedal. Okay, so I want you just to picture like just this awkward like six-year-old that's like six feet tall with a huge head, right? And just like trying to ride a bike down the street with one pedal, right? Not, it didn't work, right? If you ever tried to do that, guys, the whole point is this. You can't ride a bike with one pedal. You, you don't go anywhere. You don't make any progress. And so here's what you, I want you to think of, okay? The Christian life is like that. It's like two pedals on a bike, 
You need two pedals to move forward and to make progress. That's the key to growing in your walk with God. And the two pedals are this. I want you to write this down. It's hearing from God and responding to God. That's it. We don't have to over-spiritualize it. All right, these are the two pedals to move you forward as you walk with God. It's hearing from God and responding from God. And this is the life of, of someone committed to following Jesus. You hear from God, you respond to God. And just like pedals on a bike, you go. This is it. So easy, but so hard to do. So you hear from God through the Bible, and then you respond to God by action. That's how we grow. And the Bible is absolutely central in this growth. And so I've given you three observations, and I want to end with one application. So go ahead and turn. We're going to end in, in James chapter 1. Okay, so James chapter 1. Turn there. James is, is Jesus' little brother, okay? And I, I just find it so interesting that Jesus, or James grew up with Jesus. He, he often he listened to Jesus. He had this crisis of faith with Jesus and all this stuff. But as he writes this, he, he writes one of the most significant things that, that I think is, is what we're talking about, is this growing and pursuing God. And, and, and here's what he says in verse 22 of James chapter 1. It says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. All right, if you, if you have that opened up, circle deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the Bible, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Guys, God wants to bless you and blessing comes with knowing and doing the word of God. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And so I'll say this, guys, James is talking about what so many people and so many Christians today do with the Bible. Many of us in this room, I'm guilty of this at times too. And he uses this analogy of a mirror. All right, how many of you at some point today, you looked at a mirror? All right, if you didn't raise your hand, can totally tell, okay? <laughs> that, that's not nice, I shouldn't, okay? But right, we have mirrors everywhere. We have mirrors in our, in our bathrooms, in our houses, in our hallways, in our cars. Some of you guys, you, you carry mirrors in, with you in your pockets, in your purses. Ladies, guys, if you do that, okay. <laughs> we, we're going to have a men's retreat in the first week of March. We're going to have a breakout session on that, okay. Make sure you sign up. But James, he's using this analogy. And he's saying that a very religious view of Scripture is like someone who looks in a mirror and then walks away and forgets what they saw. Be like me waking up in the morning and looking up and looking in the mirror and being like, okay, I look all right. And then I walk out of the house and you say, oh, you look great. Tell me about yourself. Describe your physical appearance. And I'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really short and, and petite and I have long brown flowing hair and a really small head, right? And you'd be like, what are you talking about? Like strike three. No, what are you looking at, right? Don't laugh. The whole head thing is still like a sensitive thing for me, okay? <laughs> but this is what he's talking about. It'd be really weird for someone to look in the mirror and then walk away and forget completely what they experienced. But James is saying we do this all the time with the Bible. That we go to the Bible, we open it up, and we read. And we, can, when we say, okay, this is a mirror. I'm seeing myself in God's eyes. And you say, okay, I see my sin. I see my need for Jesus. I see the areas that I need to grow in. I, I see my need for change. I see what God is doing. Okay, I get it. I even circled some things and, and all of these things. And then we say, okay, I got it. Makes sense to me. And we close the book 
We set it down and we walk away and we go to work and you completely forgot what you just heard. And Christians even do weirder stuff, right? They're going to hear from God through the Bible and then they're going to study it and talk about it and make those like acid indigestion things. They're like, hmm, that's good, right? And just do all this stuff. And then we walk away and we do nothing. It's all about two pedals, guys. Hearing from God, responding to God. And he says, if you're just a hearer, you got one pedal. And the reason I told you to circle deceived is he's saying you're deceived if you think you're going to grow with God. You need two pedals. Hearing from God, responding to God. And when we hear from him and respond to him, God, God says we're going to be wise, we're going to be blessed, we're going to be transformed. And the Bible is absolutely essential for us being the people that God has created us to be. So two practical things for you to do in response to this. You just heard from God. Now what do you do? You respond. Here's two ways that you can respond. Number one, guys, read your Bible. Period. And I want to just give you, I'm not going to say roll out some year-long Bible plan. Here's what I'm going to say. We're going through the Gospel of Luke. Read the Gospel of Luke one time per month until we get to the summer and get done. One time per month. That's like a chapter a day. Just do that. So easy. Guys, if we actually did that, I mean, everything is going to change. Read your Bible. One time a month, read the Gospel of Luke. Second thing, do what it says. Okay? I mean, it's, it's so simple, guys, but so hard. And very practically, we're reading Luke. And so we've, we've read Luke. And Luke says that Jesus is God. Are you living like that? Luke says that the gospel is good news for all types of people. Are you living in that way? Are you caring and loving all types of people or just the people that are like you? Luke says that we are the messengers of, of God's gospel. Are you opening your mouth? Are you responding? Hearing from God, responding to God. Guys, let's be that type of people. Let's be that church. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I know that, yeah, even as I stand up here and preach that, I, I experience your word being a, a mirror, that there's things in, in my life that, that I need to act on. There's things in, in my life that I feel like you're talking to me about and I haven't taken action. And so we just, as a church, agree that, that your word, the Bible, is, is literally your words given to us. And it's good for us. And so we just invite you to teach us, to rebuke us where needed, to correct us. All because we want to be like you, Jesus. We want to bring you glory. And we want to bring good to Madison. And we know that it's going to happen if we could just be more and more like you. And so would you just let that be 